Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Amen. Good morning. Glad y'all are here. You know, uh, we're talking about parenting, and I'm certainly not an expert, and normally I don't get nervous before I come up here, but this morning... <laughs> All of a sudden, I felt it. Yeah, not quite as bad as having to dance to that old-time rock and roll, but, <laughs> but pretty close, pretty close. But, you know, uh, this morning, we're, we're talking about parenting, and Brandon asked me to talk about, you know, what's your parenting centered on. And uh, we're going to talk about parent-centered parenting, child-centered parenting, and Christ-centered parenting. And as I studied this, I found a lot of things in here. It's not just for kids that we're talking about. There's a lot of truths in here for us as adults. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm certainly not an expert. Laurie and I got married at a young age, and and we figured out pretty quick how to have kids, but we didn't really know (laughs) how to raise kids. So, you know, it's taken a while. But uh, the first scripture... Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first his kingdom, that's God's way of doing things, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And you know all things will be given to you as well, as, as long as we seek his kingdom first. So what I want to teach about today is parenting is not for the lazy, it's not for the weak, it's not for the faint of heart. Parenting's about being a leader, and it's about being a godly leader. I grew up in a parent-centered home, very much a parent-centered home. Uh, my mom and my mom and dad are still alive. We just celebrated my dad's 90th birthday the other day, and he's every bit as tough and ornery as he was when I was born. And, you know, there was a lot of good things out of that um, my mom was very quiet, very reserved, very loving. But Daddy, he was like a, a scorpion on steroids. He really was. He was tough. But you know, the, the things I look back on all that with my dad, he taught us to respect adults, respect authority. We were taught to be responsible for our actions. We were taught that when the church doors were open, we were there, and we were always there. Uh, he taught us we had to work in order to have things. He also taught me not to cry. And, you know, you didn't cry. I don't care what happened to you. I come home one, one time crying because I got in a little scuffle down at the local park. Never did that again. Never. In fact, he followed me back down there to make sure that I took care of business. It was, it was not a pleasant thing. But, you know, through all of that, we knew we were loved. And I knew my dad and my mom, but they, you know, they had our backs. And I'll give you a picture of my dad. My dad is, he was about my height, but just built like a block. He, he reminded me of Fred Flintstone. <laughs> and uh, looked a whole lot like him. And uh, I'll never forget, you know, things you remember as a child and growing up. But I, I had a job when I got my license to drive. I, I'd go clean the post office every morning before I went to school. 
and get up early in the morning, and sometimes it was cold where we lived. And my dad, on the side, he liked to work on cars. So he had bought this old car, a Ford Falcon, and he had parked it in the driveway the day before. Well, I'm in my little Volkswagen bug, and I'm backing out of the driveway to go to work, and I'm just watching the fences. I'm not looking in the rearview mirror. You couldn't see anything anyway. It's dark. And I'm backing up, and all of a sudden, bang, I hit that Ford Falcon. And I get out, and the bumper of the Falcon is over the top of the bumper of the Volkswagen. And I'm pulling, and I'm trying to get it loose because I need to go to work, and I don't want to go tell Daddy what happened. And Anyway, I couldn't get the cars unhooked. So I go in the house, and I get Daddy and tell him, and he's in the shower when I go to get him, and he's immediately mad. That's the way it always was, just angry. Well, he comes outside in his yellow robe, his Flintstone robe, and, <laughs> and uh, he, he just walks over there, and he just grabs the bumper of that Falcon and just... Ugh, lifts it off the Volkswagen, and then he jerks the, the engine lid up where I had just dented it. He takes his fist and boom, 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 just knocks all the dents out with his fist. He says, now get, I won't tell you what he said, get out of here. None too glad to leave. I, I left. I, thank you. Yes, sir. I'm gone. But, you know, those things like that you never forget. You never forget. And I had great respect for my dad and his ability but I also had great fear and and that was the thing you know you, you don't want your kids to be afraid of you you want them to honor you to respect you but you don't want to live in fear and there was a certain time there that uh, all that fear the frustration everything that I went through growing up I just wanted out I just wanted out of home the problems with parent-centered parenting, a lot of times the children become an inconvenience. You know, it's all about what the parents want. And the kids are really not brought into that sometimes. So sometimes the kids can be an inconvenience. Uh, family time is, is usually decided by what the parents want to do. What's the least difficult for them? You know, not so much what the kids want to do. Some of the sayings I remember very well, don't bother me, I'm busy, do as I say, not as I do. You know, uh, I'm going to whip you into shape. Instead of shaping me into who I need to be, you're going to whip me into shape. I'll give you something to cry about. Gee whiz, scariest sound in the world. I, our bedroom, my brother and I, and my brother was always in trouble. He was five and a half years older than me, and I learned a lot from what not to do watching him. But Daddy and Mama's bedroom's at the other end of the house. But we had those old hardwood floors, and we'd get in trouble, and you could hear the footsteps coming, and you could hear the belt buckle jingling. Scariest sound in the world. And you know... There was no getting out of it. When he makes that trip from one end of the house to the other, there's going to be punishment. Sometimes, you know, you just pray for the rapture right now. Please. <laughs> Didn't happen. You know, the one thing I wrote down, I was thinking, okay, what really frustrated me the most growing up? And it was uh, jumping to conclusions. You were never able 
no matter what happened, you get in trouble, you were never able to explain why you did something. And I've never forgot that. And when I grew up and got into law enforcement and finally had men under my command, that was the one thing I would always tell them because I remembered this from home. I'd say, hey, sometimes why you did something is way more important than what you did. So just tell me why you did it. We'll figure the rest of it out later, but tell me why you did it. So Proverbs 18, 13, it, it's a very important verse here. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. That applies to all of us. That applies to all of us. We, you need to hear both sides. Now, there's times that, you know, when you tell your kid, don't jump off this ledge right here, don't jump off of it, and they do it, you know, I'd wear them out. I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I just gave them a command said don't do something, and they did it anyway. No, that's time for discipline. But there's other times you need to sit down and you need to listen to them. Why did they do something? Why? It might have been more important than what they did. We had a church-centered home, but not necessarily a Christ-centered home. See, we were there every time the church doors were open to the point Sometimes I'd play hooky and act like I was sick so I didn't have to go. But it was a church-centered home. But at home, we were not Christ-centered. Because I can't tell you the number of times that I would be helping, you know, my dad on something and, and couldn't find a tool quick enough or whatever. And he'd, he'd throw one of those fits and throw stuff and cuss. And, you know, you should act at home just like you're acting here today you should act at home like when you're on your best behavior in front of your friends or your boss or whoever you want to impress that's the way we should be and that would be the greatest compliment I think my wife would give me today I wasn't always this way but I think she'll tell you what you see here today is what she sees at home and that's the way we should be we were constantly having to walk on eggshells in, in that environment because we knew the blow-up was coming at some point and you just didn't know when it was going to happen. But Ephesians 6.4 says, Don't provoke your child to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. I was talking to one of our elders this morning. He grew up in a home just like I did. And, and, you know, the frustration, the aggravation, I remember I just wanted to leave home. I just could not wait till I got old enough to walk out that door. Not that I wouldn't come back, but, but all of that had built up over the years. And for a period there, I was a very angry and frustrated young man and rebellious. Did some things that I wouldn't want anybody to know about. But a lot of it, I did it out of rebellion you, you know you just you just frustrated and it starts to come out it should not be that way as a parent we must guard our lives against revolving around money our hobbies our work social media you brought these kids into the world you need to take the time to nurture them and to train them and my first point today Raising healthy kids, and when I say healthy kids, I'm talking about emotionally healthy, 
starts with the parents having a healthy relationship with God. That's where it starts. You've got to have that. The problems with child-centered parenting. Child-centered parenting emerged probably out of people like me that grew up, you know, in a parent-centered home. But it was a reaction against parent-centered parenting. But this type of parenting places the child at the center of the decision-making. And here's the thing. I'll stop right here. I don't care how you were raised, how you're raising your kids right now. Nobody's perfect. We've all made mistakes. And you can always start over today. You can always start over. And what's in the past is in the past. And there's things that you can take from all of this and, and maybe apply it at different times. But I'm preaching in a generalization here, so don't want anybody to get their feelings hurt or think I'm stepping on your toes purposely. I'm not. But uh, do your kids always determine where you will eat? Do you back down from the consequences of misbehavior? Is your life centered around their activities? This kind of sounds like a Jeff Foxworthy deal, you know, the, or he may be a redneck. <laughs> is your life all about making their life fun? When your kid is in trouble, is it always someone else's fault? Do you always make excuses for their behavior? If, if these apply to you, you might have a child-centered home. See, and the thing is, if we build our homes around what they want, they'll let us. And happy kids are the kids that always get what they want, right? Until they don't get what they want. And then they grow into adults with that same thinking. And we've got a ton of people out there today that think that way. They think they should get what they want. You know, I... I throw some examples together here. Just, I don't know. My mind wanders sometimes. But for instance, little Sally, she doesn't like the food on her plate. So she whines and pouts and disrupts everyone else's dinner. Nobody does anything to her. Little George, he's so bored, he deliberately interrupts his parents' conversation with other adults until finally somebody steps up to entertain him. Or little Billy Bob, he's first in line at the church picnic. And he doesn't wait on the elderly or anyone else. He gets first in line and he loads his plate with desserts. I know some of y'all have seen this. <laughs> Kids need boundaries. You know, Laura and I had two girls. Our youngest was Mandy. And Mandy was pretty strong-willed. And... uh when I was, would be off from the game wardens, I'd always have Mandy with me before she went into school. She was just my little buddy. And, but I had her down at the courthouse with me one day, and I was trying to take care of some business. And this old courthouse there at Sierra Blanca was made out of adobe and had those old Spanish tile floors. And it was loud in there. I mean, when you speak, it, it echoes. And Mandy's misbehaving like a, you know, a lot of four- or five-year-old do and told her to quit. Told her to hush, told her to stop it. This went on for a little bit, and then finally I told her, I said, when we get home, or I'm going to build a paddle, you're going to help me, and I'm going to wear you out with it. So I took care of business. We went back home, took a little piece of one before. We shaped it out, 
smoothed up the edges, and then I spanked her with it. And you know, I didn't do it in anger. I set the boundary. She crossed it intentionally. I handed the discipline out, not angry. And you know what? She understood why she got that spanking. They will understand. And if, you know, I, I don't believe in beating them with a belt like my dad used to do us. I think that's the wrong way to do it. But a little small paddle works wonders. And there'll come a time later in their life you don't need to do that. There'll be other ways to discipline them. But paddling is an appropriate discipline. It is an appropriate discipline. Because, see, here's the thing. When kids are little, you can't really reason with them. You know, I, I have a, a rat terrier. She weighs seven pounds. I can't reason with her. I can't reason with her. But you know what? She knows no. She knows stop. She knows come. And the reason I teach her those things because sometimes I'll walk outside to go to the shop and work or something. I've got her with me. I don't have her on a leash. But if she heads for the street, I say no. And she stops. And if I say come, she comes. Because I don't want her to get hurt. And you need to teach your kids those things. They need to respond to command because... If they don't have any discipline and they run out in the street and get run over, who's that on? It's back on you. You didn't teach them. you got to teach your kids. Here's my point. Without boundaries, children will act out in selfish ways. They will. they got to have boundaries. You know, another thing that we, we were, I'd say, promoted on when we were kids is having an angry, bad temper. You know, my granddaddy had it, my daddy had it, my brother had it. And it was almost like it was bragged upon that we had this awesome temper. You know, that's just stupid. That it, you know, it really is. Uh, you know, it was almost like we had an honor system. You know, the madder we could get, well, the more respect we got. But you can control your anger. And you should teach your kids to control their anger. You can do that because I've seen a lot of people, I've done it myself, I can be mad enough to bite nails into and then my boss walks in or my pastor, somebody that I want to impress or somebody that I respect and I can turn it off that quick. You can do it. You can do it. You can teach your kids that. Proverbs fifteen eighteen says, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife. But he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Quiets contention. I figured up, just in my little feeble mind, there's about five risks, big time risks, that I see to this child-centered parenting. Number one, it gives those kids a false sense of security that the world is all about them. And then when they get out in the world, they find out that it's not. Secondly, it puts a strain on your marriage when you put your kids ahead of your spouse. Third, it reinforces selfishness, which comes naturally anyway. You know, one of the first words kids will learn is mine. You know, they grab that toy, mine. They, they, they come with that. Uh, number four, it hurts your kids when you don't teach them to help around the house, to help each other, to be responsible. You're hurting them. For later in life. Number five. 
it makes them a challenge to everybody else, whether it's in school, it's in Walmart, it's in church, wherever it is. When you don't do your job at home, they become a challenge for everybody else. Kids learn from watching you, what you say, what you do. And we, if we, as adults and as parents, if we model ourselves after Christ and our kids model themselves after us, behold, we got Christ-like kids, right? It's pretty simple. If you don't teach your kids there are consequences for their wrong actions, then the police and the courts will be teaching them that later. I can tell you, and I know Mike can tell you this, I've seen it, I don't know how many times, I see a little old kid and he's acting up, no discipline, no responsibility, no respect for anybody, not his parents, not anyone else. Fifteen years later, we're handling him, taking him to jail. That's wrong. That's wrong. Parents, you got to do your job. You can't be lazy. Conflicts and struggles are part of life. They are part of life. And you got to teach your kids how to deal with these things. If you don't, they grow up undisciplined and emotionally feeble. Teach them how to deal with conflict. Teach them how to deal with life struggles. You see this today in a lot of the rights and demonstrations that have gone on. We've got a, you know, a lot of people out there that think everybody owes them something. And they're not bashful about tearing up someone's property that has nothing to do with what they're upset about. But all of that activity, that way of thinking, started at home. And it seems to me that the most intolerant people are those that holler the most about intolerance. Isn't that right? That's true. When all the emphasis is on self-expression as a child, then the kids will act out their frustrations and bad behavior toward others. Christ-centered parenting. Here we get into the, the best way to parent your kids. The best way. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. In Proverbs 4.13, Take hold of my instructions. Don't let them go. Guard them, for they are the key to life. Our job is to establish the Word of God in their hearts. It is life to them. It will be victory to them when they have the Word of God in their hearts. And here's an important point. You either teach your kids about God and what you want them to know, or someone else is going to teach them. I promise you that. The devil will put somebody in their path to teach them what he wants them to know. So teach your kids. Teach them. Someone's going to teach them. It should be you. Your first job as a parent is to help your child relate to God. You should show them how much you value the Word of God. They should hear it often on your lips. They should hear you reading the Word, saying the Word, teaching the Word. That's how they learn. The gospel is a way of life. It's a way of life. It's not just something we do on Sunday morning. It's every day. And if you don't do it every day, those kids will see that it's not that important to you. You know, the Bible's full of stories about dysfunctional families that God turned it around and made a beautiful story out of it. But they had to let him. He's not going to force anything on you. You have to let him take these situations and turn them around. 
parenting shouldn't be about hanging on till you get those kids out of your house. It should be about instructing them in God's way so when that time comes, you can let go. And you can let go in confidence. Empower them in Christ. Philippians 4.13 says, Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Amen. Practical things to do. These are just things that I wrote down. Hopefully it'll help some of us to just do a better job with our kids and with ourselves. Teach them how much God loves them. And demonstrate his love to them. It's not that most parents don't love their kids. I think most of the time parents love their kids more than they love themselves. The problem is most of us don't love ourselves like God loves us. And if we don't love ourselves like God loves us, we have a hard time relating that to others. Pray with them at every opportunity, at meals, at bedtime, when they're hurt, when they're in fear, when they're worried, when they're facing problems. Make prayer the first thing you do, not the last result. Last resort. Teach them character and integrity. These are traits of God. Character really is doing the right thing when no one's around. It's, you know, right, or someone said this, I don't know who it was, but right is still right if you're the only one doing it, and wrong is still wrong even if everyone's doing it. That's, that's the fact. Integrity is being honest and doing what you say you will do. And your kids are not going to learn that if you don't do that yourself. Teach them who they are in Christ. They need to have that identity in Christ to be confident and productive. Teach them that the power that raised Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit, lives inside every believer. They need to know these things. There's a lot of adults need to know these things. Teach them that it's not, it, it is the devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, not God. You know, poor God, he gets the rap. You know, they have a bad storm. Something ha- You know, every time you turn around, well, it was an act of God. No, according to the Bible, it was an act of the devil. It says the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy, not God. You need, your kids need to know this stuff. Your words are important, and you can't take them back. Always speak life, good things over your kids. Never demoralizing, defeating words, words that you're never going to amount to anything. Don't do that. that that's uh, it's just ignorant. I mean, I'll just be honest. It's just ignorant when you say that over your child. Teach them how important their words are and make sure you do what you say you will do. That is so important. Because they're watching you. And if you are not truthful and faithful to do what you say, then you're teaching them that God is not truthful and faithful to do what he says. You give them a lot of times, so I'll back up just a second. I'm not picking on my dad today. I love my dad. but My dad's honoring. But, you know, I, I had a false perspective of God the Father when I was growing up. And I had this until about roughly 10 years ago, 11 years ago. But I felt like that 
Father God was just waiting to whip me every time I messed up because that's the way I was raised. And that was the image I had, but that is not the truth. You need to give them a proper image of God. He's a loving Father. He corrects you, yes, but He doesn't correct you with sickness and disease and put you in a car accident and all that junk. That's not God the Father. He lovingly corrects you. We need to teach our kids there's a principle of sowing and reaping. There are consequences to our choices. Teach them to think through their decisions. Teach them they can control themselves and how they respond to others. I've got to teach myself this. I was talking to some people driving badly this morning on the way to work. and, and uh, So anyway, I've got to learn that too. Teach them that they are a three-part being. They're a spirit. They have a soul, their mind, and they live in a body. And, you know, that will help them because uh, when I was saved at an early age, I thought something was just wrong with me because I was still messing up. I was still sinning. I didn't understand that it was my spirit that was saved. I thought when I was saved, I'm all saved, so I should never sin again. I should never mess up. No, it's your spirit that's born again. And for the rest of our lives, we renew our mind to the Word of God, and we line up our mind with our spirit, and our body follows. Amen? Train your kids up for God's purpose. Not yours. Not yours. Train them up for God's purpose. Look for His plan. Help them laugh at every opportunity. You know, the happiest families that I know of are families that do things together. They enjoy each other. Proverbs seventeen twenty two says, A merry heart does good like a medicine. Really, that means your attitude directly affects your body. Help them protect their hearts. We got to be diligent in this. Guard their hearts through their eye gate, their ear gate. That's so important. Don't allow your kids just to watch anything there is, to hear anything there is, to hang out with the wrong people where they're getting that ungodly influence. You've got to guard their hearts. Teach them to be thankful for what they have right now. They need to be thankful. You know, Jesus, in the story of the, the five loaves and the two fish, you notice what he did? He gave thanks for the little before it was manifested into a lot. And they had leftovers. But he gave thanks for the little. See, see, God has a plan for every person before they were ever born. Every person. Unfortunately, here in the United States alone, been over 60 million aborted children never had a chance to fulfill that plan but you as a parent do you have an opportunity to teach your kids and fulfill that plan with them Joshua 24:15 says if you decide that it's a bad thing to worship God then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today Choose one of the gods your ancestor worshipped from the country beyond the river or one of the gods of the Amorites on whose land you're living now. But as for me and my family, we'll worship God. For me and my family, we'll worship God. See, the bottom line as a parent 
you have that unique and awesome opportunity to help your child fulfill God's plan for their life. Amen? The spoon. I brought this from home. It's one of Laurie's favorite spoons. Nothing special about it. Just purple. But you know, that spoon's been sitting here for the last however long I've been up here. Not one time did you see it jump down off here and run and get some food and come back and force it into my mouth, right? <laughs> it, it didn't. You've seen it. It's been right there. Not one time did it jump off here and go slap somebody up against the head that was asleep. <laughs> right? My point is, it's just a tool. It's just an instrument. Right now in our society, we have that idea that everything it's not our responsibility we know what we do it, it's it's always someone else's or some tool's fault you know someone gets drunk and they're driving a ford and they run over somebody and kill them all right well let's get rid of the ford it's not the ford's fault you know it's not you, you can't blame mcdonald if you put on 20 pounds in the last year that's not mcdonald's fault it's an inward problem. All of our society issues, you look at them right now, and there's a ton of them, but we're always looking to blame someone else instead of looking within. And I don't, I don't know, maybe it's happened, but when I hear the news about different things going on, I don't ever hear anybody say, we've got a spiritual issue here. We have a spiritual issue. But we do have a spiritual issue. And it's up to us what we do with it. And especially... We start with ourselves, but we've got to pass it on to our kids. Our kids, they're the most important thing we have entrusted to us right now. You've got to prepare them for life, and you do that through the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, if you're here this morning, and you don't have that relationship, uh, somebody going to come up? All right, it's Nat. I thought it was going to be Nat. You know, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's really simple. It's just believing that He is the Son of God, that He did come and die for you. And then you start that relationship with Him. And then you continue to build that relationship. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. He'll never let you down. I don't care what you've heard about God. I can tell you, I know he is always faithful to perform his word. So if you would, if you just bow your head with me a minute. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you just mind raising your hand? I want to pray with you. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, if you'll repeat after me. Father, we just thank you this morning that you had a plan for us. Your plan for us was good. You came up with this plan before the foundations of the world were laid. And you sent Jesus to die for us, to redeem us from the pit of hell, and give us a victorious life now. And we thank you for it right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.